Sorry to interrupt the usual beginning to this podcast, but I need your help. You see, we're coming to the end of this series of God's glorious grace. We've almost completed the section of Ephesians 1 that we set out to journey through. And to mark this special occasion, we would love to have a final episode interacting with you, the listener at home. I'm sure we've said all sorts of things that made you stop and think, maybe wonder if we were right, maybe we've got you questioning something, and we would love to have your contribution to the conversation for a final rounding off episode. So if you have a question or something to add to the conversation, we'd love for you to get in touch. Podcast at hopeharrogate.co.uk is the email address that you need. Please do let us know your thoughts. But for now, here's the usual beginning. Welcome to God's Glorious Grace, a podcast from Hope Church Harrogate, where we are asking the question, have we really understood the grace of God? We're taking a deep dive into Ephesians chapter 1, considering a phrase of that chapter in each episode, and asking first what it teaches us about God, and second, how that affects our lives, hopefully with a good dose of warmth and fun along the way. Thanks for joining us. Most of my praise is about the awesomeness that I see in God that is completely detached from me. He is powerful. He is mighty. He's the king. He is glorious. Yeah, he is. He is all that stuff. It has nothing to do with me. He is just who he is. Except this phrase is tied to what he's doing in me. And that, it kind of freaks me out a little bit. Well, that sounds like a wonderfully fitting way to finish a series called God's Glorious Grace, doesn't it? Hello, and yes, we are, as we've interrupted the beginning of this podcast again to say, keen to have your interaction in what's been happening through this series of God's Glorious Grace. Please do get in touch, podcast at hopeharrogate.co.uk and contribute to the conversation. Uh, Today, I'm joined as always by my good friends, Mark and Rachel. Hello. Good morning. Hi. And today is kind of like the last day of term at school. There's a little bit of excitement, a little bit of uh, (laughs) dynamite in the air. No one's quite sure what's going to happen because this is the last uh, episode of the journey through Ephesians 1, 3 to 14. We're looking at the final phrase this morning, which is to the praise of his glory, which is a very fitting phrase uh, to finish on, not least because it's at the end of the passage, but also because it does a great job of wrapping this all up for us as well. So we're going to read the passage. Mark's going to do that for us. And then we're going to dive in with what this tells us about God. Over to you, Mark. Okay, we're going to read Ephesians 1. We're just going to read verses 13 and 14. Uh, And again, we're reading from the New International Version. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, You were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Amen. I feel like you have to say amen after the end of that closing. Amen. It's like... uh, no, you Question. say this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. That's what you say. <laughs> Sorry, my my Anglican roots are fading. Um, uh, the question one, which presents itself, I think we've got a handle first, guys, is like 
what is it talking about when it talks about his glory? I think I would say I probably only really learned this a few years ago. And I think it's a word we use a lot without knowing what it means. So who'd like to to comment on maybe what you used to think it meant or what you've now discovered it means? Yeah, I think think like Adam, it took me a long time to work this out. When I was growing up as a kid, glory was a destination. We're all going to glory. That was the only time <laughs> that sort of glory was mentioned with any any understanding. <laughs> Rachel, what about you? Uh, well, I I came from two different perspectives. For me, it was the thing that you did in sports when people applauded you, and then you were supposed to like point up to the sky and be like, no, no, it's all him. It's all for the glory of God. And so it was always a deflection of any sort of praise that you got. It was the what the Christian response to praise was to be like, oh, it's all Jesus, and you sort of point up to for it's all for the praise of His glory. It's not me. It's Jesus. Uh, but also, it was uh, for the the glory of God was also that that sense of His presence. Uh, because my parents used to be part of a ministry called the Shekinah, which is the sort of the, the word of Shekinah glory of God, that sort of that sort of word of his presence. And so there was always uh, in an Assemblies of God church, the sense of, of the Shekinah glory of God is something that we discussed as a sort of tangible thing. Uh, so therefore, uh, it's that you would point to that. It's pointing. It's very important. Mm. You pointed. <laughs> don't be copying a Christian. You don't point. Yeah, don't be not being the Christian who doesn't point to God, but someone's clapping you. Come on now. <laughs> uh, and I, I didn't see why though, like in the script, in the passage, it doesn't just say it at the end. This is what I love is—is yes. is it like Christian phrases pop up because it pops up so much in Scripture? It becomes it comes a phrase. It becomes a thing that you sort of latch onto. Uh, and so you know, it's it's in verse six. It's in verse 12 and verse 14, this phrase, to the praise of the glorious grace, to the praise of the glory of God, to the praise of his glory. This this phrase is like the mm. thing that you can get really easy into just a Christian phrase that you assume what it means and we just begin to use it. And I think that's why we wanted to pick that today and pull it out because it can be so easy to just shove everything that you want it to mean into that phrase and it all of a sudden becomes shorthand for stuff as opposed to an actual depth of meaning. Okay, so if we're not going to just use it as a catch-all for the stuff that we're not quite sure about or a nice feeling in the middle of worship, how, how should we understand uh, the glory of God? If it's not just a destination, it's not just about pointing to the sky. Uh, I think uh, I like the phrase, it's the outshining out of who God is, his nature, his character, his ways. We have that beautiful phrase in Hebrews where it says Jesus is the radiance of the Father. So if you like, Jesus is the glory of the Father. And um, I think when we talk about glory, we're talking about the essence of who God is being known. And I, for me, we've got it three times, as Rachel says in this passage, that there is a reality that God wants us to know him. And so, so when we're talking about the glory of God coming, the glory of God, we're talking about God being made known through his outshining, his nature, his character and his ways. That, that for me helps me go, oh, that's the glory of God. Yeah. Rachel, would you contribute anything? Yeah, for me, I, I, what I like to do in my sort of studies is try to figure out, can I come up with a phrase in my ordinary language that that sums it up? Because if I can do it, then I understand it. And if I can't, then I probably need to do more study. <laughs> <in> it. <laughs> it's a good rule. And and uh, and so for me, when I th- think about 
the glory. I think it's so often to personify the the glory. When I think about to the praise of His glory, I I think about it. It's just to the to the acknowledgement of His wonderfulness. I think has been the thing that I keep coming back to, because when I think of the praise of His glory, I I see it tied into into this sense of He does all this stuff so that we all see His awesomeness or or to to the to the testimony of his wonderfulness that we may see it uh, that we may know it and and so whenever i i begin to see that phrase i just see it as a as a purposeful display of his of who he is of the fullness of who he is and and therefore it's a reminder to me whenever i see that phrase that um this is telling us something about the the, the awesomeness of god that he has for us to see and acknowledge and understand um, that that that's my phrase it, it could be a wrong phrase but that's sort of in my journey of trying to rephrase it what I tend to see yeah I think those are both really helpful ways I think it's, it's interesting isn't it we all come into the same place but from from perhaps different avenues for me I I came across it I was uh, preaching about the temple and you know the word glory is in there and it was talking about how the the glory of kings in the ancient world was about their weight like it was about the weight that you would feel in their presence. And so the story that sort of helps me picture it in terms of earth, earthly king's glory is, is Solomon and the Queen of Sheba. And, you know, she rocks up 1 Kings 10 and it says when she saw the wisdom, the palace he built, the food, the, his officials, the robes of the servants, his cupbearers, uh, the burnt offerings he made at the temple, she was overwhelmed. And it, like she saw his glory. She she felt the weight of his presence, of his magnificence, of his wonderfulness, mm. of his uh, authority. Um, and that dictated what she should do. And like she she bows mm. before him in that way. She's overwhelmed. And so the, the glory of an earthly king would be what almost drives you to bow before them as you experience mm. their, their power and might. And uh, it's the same, the, the weight of God's glory causes a response in us, which is not the fear that would have come upon most people encountering a king in the ancient world, but it is an, an, you know, an awe. And, and mm. as we've talked about before, maybe even a fear of God when you see just how mm. uh, mighty and holy and good he is. So it's, it's, yeah, it's a revelation almost of, mm. of, of his majesty of, mm. and that of course, because it's God it encapsulates his wonderfulness, his goodness mm. and his grace, which uh, I'm so glad that, it does occur this phrase three times and that the first time is to the praise of his glorious grace, because you realize mm. and that's what you're encountering here. Um, mm. you're seeing his grace and you go, wow. Mm. Uh, I think that's, that's how I, I've come to, to picture. I, and I think you're right. I think both, I, I, I love that. And I think that it's not surprising then that Paul has put that in three times here. And actually, I think it's a really important signpost. You know, we 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 called this about going deep, digging deeper uh, into mm. the grace of God, and and we're coming to the end of uh, the, the the time that we've had. We spent forty minutes on each phrase and what have you. But the reality is, is there's layers upon layers and layers of glory in what we've read, and 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 of mm. course, in what we've talked about, and yet. I feel frustrated that we've we've scratched the surface. We, you know, because because we've treated things in isolation, and that's been a helpful thing, of course. But these things are totally connected, and uh, part of the glory of Ephesians one is, 
is it just gives us this amazing description of the salvation that God has planned and purposed for us. Each element is critical to us being saved, whether it's it's being uh, redeemed, whether it's being adopted as a son or a daughter, uh, as being forgiven. You know, we've gone through these things. You know, when we've talked about forgiveness, we needed two sessions. But to be honest, we could have done a book on on forgiveness. And 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 I think so. That yeah. that the, what Paul is drawing our attention to is this is wonder. This is wonder. And, and we sing that lovely song, May I Never Lose the Wonder. Oh, the wonder. You know, and, 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 I, and my heart goes, oh, Father, you know, one of my prayers for everybody listening to this is, is that you, you, you will take perhaps one of the phrases and spend six weeks looking at it. Go dig, mm. go mine what God's wonder and glory is in this. And so the, the whole thing about salvation it is a wondrous thing, the intricacy. The, the, the coverage of it is extraordinary. When you think about the coverage of the gospel in what was necessary to be done and what has been done, I, I, I think, yeah, glory is the right, right word. If, if we can't be excited and uh, caught up in, in the Christian life, surely something is wrong with us if we aren't excited and caught up in, in the wonder uh, of the gospel and it's not just i've got a meal ticket to heaven yeah he is utterly working on my transformation to be like jesus and he's prepared everything for it now in the future and into eternity i i i think that's why it's glory 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 yeah uh, because it does point back to our god what a wonderful yeah. god we have yeah, preach it, Mark. And I think yeah, sorry, but yeah, just no, I just no, think that's why it's, it. It, it's it's three it's, it's it's three times to the praise yeah. of His glory, to the praise of the glory yeah. of His grace. Yeah, absolutely. And I think yeah, and what's encouraging is you know Paul isn't discovering this for the first time. And I think sometimes, and you know, going through this series again, I've realised how guilty I was of it in places. Is you begin to take some of these things for granted, you you kind of know them and you shelve them, and and as you work through this, you go. Oh no! Wow, that really is amazing. It that is wonderful. It, the mystery of that blows my mind. You, you know, thankfulness wells up. We've used this word gushing a few times in terms of describing what Paul's doing here. There is, you know, here is a man who spent his whole life in the Scriptures, learning about Yahweh. Yes, he's had an incredibly transformative moment, um, but here he is, late in life, still caught up in the wonder of who God is and what He's done. And, um, you know, in the first part of these podcasts, we ask, what does this tell us about God? And uh, and I think, we're, you know, we are bang on the money in answering that question today in terms of it's, it's, it's telling us both about him, but also about our response to him, which is fitting. I, I think also I've been just disturbed is a bit strong, but th- there's a, a sense of of uncomfortability I have when I look at how this phrase is used, because most of my praise is about the awesomeness that I see in God that is completely detached from me. He is powerful. He is mighty. He's the king. He is glorious. Yeah, he is. He is all that stuff. It has nothing to do with me. He is just who he is, except this phrase is tied to what he's doing in me. And that, it kind of freaks me out a little bit because that means that <laughs> I'm because the phrase is connected to him, you know, predestining us to be adopted to the praise of his glorious grace. It is uh, connected. Where's that? third one and 12 uh yes uh that who we who were the first to hope in christ might be for the praise make 
be for the praise of his glory, that me might be for the praise of his glory. This last one is about the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. It is tied to what he is doing in us that we may become uh, something that is the the praise of his glory, that, that what is happening in us um, is something that can testify and acknowledge of his wonderfulness by the transformation that is happening in me, by what he has done in me and through me and for me, and that I could possibly be a testimony of his wonderfulness by what people see he is doing in me is quite a massive challenge because I think it's really easy to look at the glorious Jesus, you know, that we see in Revelation. I think it's a lot harder to say the fact that I'm more peaceful today than I was a year ago is actually a testimony of his wonderful glory makes me feel. um, Yes, that's really good. You know what I mean? It drags you out of the stands and onto the pitch, doesn't it? And I know you, you, you're involved in this. This yes. isn't just you're looking on going, oh, God, you're doing some great stuff. Yes. No, you, you, you're, God, you're amazing. No, no, you're right in there. Uh, his arms like reached and plucked you out of your seat and, uh, and brought you right into the field of play. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, sorry, Mark, you go. I was say, and I couldn't help myself, but uh, read on into Ephesians 2, which follows Ephesians mm-hmm. 1, believe it or not. And uh, what, Rachel, you've just said there, I think is really what Paul goes on to say in Ephesians 2, because we don't like really verses 1 to uh, 4, which tell us how lost we were, how desperate Mm. our situation was. You know, it it ends with that frightening phrase that uh, we were by nature objects of his wrath, you know, Uh, and, and that. And then it goes with the great big but, you know, but God in his love. For us, rich in mercy, made us alive when we were even dead in our sin, transgressions and sin. It's by grace you've been saved. And then it goes on to what you were talking about there, Rachel, in verse seven. In order, talking about us, in order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. That the, the, the grace of God in us is to be the greatest witness of the gospel that there could ever be. But by the way, I I start to outshine. That's the frightening thing. The glory of God is now in me. Christ in me is the glory of God shining through what was a broken, God-hating, distorted, sinful character. Now, because of the grace of God, because the grace of God is transformative, it, it, it changes me as the truth gets into me. I become like Christ, that the, this kindness of God that has been shown towards me becomes reflected through my life. Back to him, the incomparable richness of his grace. Mm. It, it, yes. That is how it's meant to be. It is a wonderful, wonderful thing that no man may boast not that we go look at me i'm great no we boast in him it goes on to say i think i think it's 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 wonderful we are god's workmanship i love that i love because you know like adam you were saying paul was knocked off his horse had this incredible encounter with god and then this amazing encounter with ananias and and how he gets wonderfully saved in that but that whole phrase, God's workmanship, for me, conjures up something of process, something of time that's gone on. The grace of God as it soaks into my life, 
starts to marinate me, starts to pickle me into who God is, that very nature of Christ uh, takes part of my, my life. And, and that's what John is writing about Jesus, isn't he? That he's full of grace. Jesus was permeated with grace. And from that, the overflow comes mm. uh, that we are. I think yeah. it's amazing. No wonder, you know, what's his name? Who wrote Amazing Grace? He got it absolutely right. John Newton. <laughs> He got it absolutely right. It is amazing. Yeah. No man, no human being could ever come up with this. No Buddha, no other fake God, no, you know, it's just it's just no one but God could have come up with this. Yeah. I'm so, sorry, it's beyond human thinking. I agree. Uh, and what you've got is yeah, you've got Ephesians one the whole letter telling us what God's done. But this this phrase that, as we've said, repeated three times, it's telling us the why, isn't it? Why has he done this? Well, it tells you it's because he wanted to, because of his will. Like we've seen that. We've talked about that. But it's also the praise of his glory. And his, his glory is revealing who he is. Like it's almost, and I know God has made an intentional choice to do it, but it's almost like he couldn't help himself in being so gracious, in being so um, generous, in being so merciful, in pouring out his love in such a way. So you've got this. This, this is what he's done. This is why he's done it. And then the end, I'm drawing with my pen. It, Mark and Rachel can see on Zoom. I'm going, you've got the why that comes down to mm-hmm. what he's doing. But then you've got the up as well afterwards, which is the end of it. it is, yes, of course, he couldn't help him pouring out love and grace and mercy because of who he is. But the end result was always going to be that he gets praised and so you know in some sense the american sports stars have got it right the finger goes up it's all for his glory yes says paul it is all for his glory it it will happen because of what he's like and it's all because of his glory that's where it's going to end it's centered on god and ends in god Um, uh, theocentric and theotelic they're your theological words for you come on very nice Drop that into conversation next tomorrow morning at breakfast, everyone. Yeah, we've spent our lives trying to simplify. No theological words. Those are your theological words in this moment. It's centered on God and it finds its end in God as well. Fantastic. Shall we uh, pause part one there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Find our way towards the box of halftime oranges, which Mark has brought today. Well, we we, we left uh, poor Rachel. On, on a bit of a hiding last time and and so this is this is about <laughs> the recovery of her glory and redemption and she's pointing yeah. to jesus then we <laughs> we know so 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 again it's it's real and fake news uh All right and, i'm ready and we're, we're gonna kick off rachel we'll kick off with you this time okay and, i put my discernment on first I'm ready. Steps. okay so the headline is man sues woman for texting during date and wins A Texas man, American, uh, sued his date for $17.31, the price of a cinema ticket, after she texted during the movie. The man paid for the pair to see The Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, and she kept sending and receiving messages on her phone. She eventually went outside and drove off, leaving him without a ride home. The man won his case, receiving his money back. Well, I would sue her for that. So, yes, I say true. It could only happen in America. That was true. That was true. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Adam, something more closer to home. Hull okay. City. Ooh. 
The whole city centre was left covered in feathers after mass pillow fight. A group of revellers left Hull city centre strewn with feathers after a mass pillow fight erupted on the 1st of April 2017. Around 200 people were involved in the laughter and chaos that saw people of all ages go head to head wielding pillows as weapons. Organiser Chris Snell said everybody just mucks in and cleans up all, all the feathers afterwards. Wow, it's naming someone. That's how confident this report is. Chris Snell. <laughs> Oh, I want to say true. I think I think it's the kind of thing that would be true. But then I'm like, if you were going for a mass pillow fight, are you really taking a feather pillow with you? Surely it would be <laughs> artificial synthetic. But then maybe it's just journalistic embellishment. Oh, I'm trapped. It's true. It's true. It is true. Well yeah. done. Well done. Make sure. sure. Okay. Three people fall into Glastonbury Long Jock toilet after spotting fake 50 pound note three people had to be three people had to be rescued and treated by doctors after climbing into a long drop toilet at glastonbury festival in an attempt to rescue a 50 pound note the festival goers ended up trapped among the excrement and had to be rescued from the pit after spending 45 minutes down there to make matters worse it turned out to be a prank as the note was fake I go for false. I believe one person would get trapped. Three, I feel, is an exaggeration. Very good. It, it is fake. I <laughs> thought that was the giveaway. You couldn't get three people down. <laughs> well, okay. And how harsh of the first person down not to tell the next two. <laughs> no, 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 guys, I've got it. It's fake. <laughs> okay. Uh, next one. Nap time for grown-ups. Gym class consists of nothing but sleeping for 45 minutes. A popular, a popular gym chain, can't say that, yeah, has learned a brand new nap exercise. Class for fatigued adults. Participants sleep in single beds accompanied by atmospheric music and a temperature which promotes caloric burning during sleep. The class intends to help deal with fatigue and also has a long-term benefit for all overall mental health. Yeah, true. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Where do I sign up? Yeah, very good. Very good. That is the Tiebreaker time. Tiebreaker time, Rachel. Your moment. I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. Mechanic dressed as Hulk used car paint, remained green for three weeks. <laughs> A mechanic in Derbyshire used industrial car paint to perfect his incredible Hulk costume. However, he was taken to hospital for chemical poisoning due to the paint seeping through his skin and into his bloodstream. To make matters worse, it was also left with a faint shade of green for the next three weeks. Okay, so I recently did face painting with my kid, except I made a Thanos thing for my hand for face paint, and I had that thing on my hand for like five days. So that sounds totally plausible to me. I'm going to go for true. It's <sighs> Slipped at the last, right? Oh, is it going to be a draw? Another loss? Oh, oh, I'd, I'd have gone two, to be fair. Final one. Playtime turns to chaos as five-year-old tears up £5,000 in banknotes. A father in China was refused at the bank when he tried to turn in £5,000 worth of banknotes that had been torn to pieces by his five-year-old son 
Mr. Gayo borrowed the 50,000 RMB, worth £5,500, but the bank refused to swap the money for unspoiled notes. He has spent the last three days sticking the notes back together and won't stop until all 500 notes have been completed. Well, first of all, he should be making the child stick that back together. <laughs> Live in the responsibility of your actions, son. He was five years old. For goodness sake, that's some task. Sounds, it sounds like pr- pretty good craft activity to me. Um, uh, false. No, it's real. Oh, there's a draw, a tie, some honour restored. Well done, Rachel. Well done. Christian way to end. Tie, tie. (laughs) (laughs) Break that last biscuit in half and share it. Well done, everyone. Thanks, Mark. We appreciate that. That was good. That was excellent. Very good. Okay, part two. Uh, So we've talked about what this phrase, the praise of his glory, tells us about God. How does it equip us in our everyday lives? How can we bring this to bear? Um, where would we start with answering that question? Well, a direction that may be a direction that we don't want to go in. I was intrigued listening to us, you know, repeat this phrase over and over and again. And there's this assumption that there is a straight and direct line up. I'm going to use my Adam Penn, as he was doing, that goes from I was a sinner to I am the praise of his glorious grace. And it goes straight up completely in that every day is better and better and better. But we know from our lives and from the lives of very public Christian figures that it doesn't always look like that. It doesn't always look like today I'm a better reflection of God's glory than I was yesterday. And and I, I think it might be worth talking about what happens when you have a massive collapse or when you completely lose it or, you know, when when affairs happen, when when big sin comes along, when you when you walk away and and there are these breaks often in this in this process. And what does that how does this phrase tell us about life with God if 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 we are supposed to be reflections of his glorious grace and we fall and we are sinners and we are not perfect now. And how do those two tie together? Um, Because I think it's just so often to be like, yes, great. When we're all perfect Christians, it looks fantastic. But actually what does God's glorious grace look like for very, very imperfect and broken people as we try to walk this out? Adam. Well, that sounds like a wonderfully fitting way to finish a series called God's glorious grace, doesn't it? I don't have an answer immediately because I hadn't been thinking about it until you dropped it on me, Rach. Give me 10 seconds and I'll think of something. Mark, if you want to you... You dive in, feel free. Yeah, it's really funny you've mentioned that because uh, Shami and I literally in our time together this morning uh, with God, we're talking about the incredible reality that God has given us his name that we have had invested in us the name of God. Not, you know, uh, the moment he calls us sons and daughters, we we suddenly inherit his name. We we are given his name and 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 talking about the glory. In fact, we were talking about the glory of God and how glorious he is. And and why would he entrust his name to to, to us? And it, it is it is a reality that um you know, I think we said it when we talked about the whole thing of adoption, that this is a once and for all. 
adoption and my performance is never um counted in in these things the, the way i am doesn't alter the way he is towards me his love is is constant he loves me uh yesterday as he does today whether i've um lived a good one or had a bad one his grace is the same it's extended to us the reality is very sadly of course that when i am publicly known and and in you know i'm not talking about internationally or nationally known but in my sphere of influence and i am known as a christian it is damaging to the name of, of christ um i had uh, i inherited a team of people when i was in bt and um due to reorganization several people came to me uh, and we ended up with a, a group which had about five or six christians in and i loved going to senior management meetings director level meetings and people say oh that guy trevor he's why he's a stunning man and i'm thinking yeah he loves jesus and that guy <laughs> richard you know he loves it and sadly in an adjacent team there was a guy who really was very vocal with his faith but lived a most bitter sadly bitter life and often we found that the testimony of Jesus publicly was diminished by um, this, this, sadly, this one, this one person's testimony. Because people always say, yeah, it's all right for Trevor and Mark and, and Richard. And, but, but this guy, this guy, he says he's a Christian. And we used to have that a, a lot. So I think the first thing to say is it has a real impact because we reflect. This is what this is telling us, that we reflect the glory of God. And if I am not on song, if I am having a bow, it does reflect something that undermines the grace and the goodness of God. But I am still an object of his grace. I am still loved. And it's the kindness of God that leads me to repentance. And, and I think that's that's the one. So on the one hand, we have to face it. it isn't, it's not great when I have a, a really off day and it's in the sphere of my influence. People are looking at me and going, well, if that's who God is, I'm, you know. But actually, the wonderful thing is, is that when we repent, when we turn to God and we can go to him and say, I'm sorry, yesterday I was a real stinker. I made a screw <laughs> up there. Actually, that 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 creates the opportunity for people to see it's not about our perfection. It's about Jesus's perfection. And it always has been and always will be. I don't know if that's a helpful answer or not, but that's, mm. that's what I would say, you know. Mm. Yeah. I, th I think there might be two, two roads I might walk down with something of an answer. The first quite similar to Mark in terms of um, we can often talk, yeah, as if this is inevitable, and I probably preach that transformation in your life is inevitable if you've got the spirit of God living in you. And I think that's true. But I think if we're apathetic and don't invest uh, in the work of God in our lives, then you're relying upon the miraculous <laughs> uh, where actually God calls you to participate. Um, I just doing some work for another setting in the pastoral epistles and I'm struck by, you know, Paul tells Timothy, four or five times to take hold or tell these people to take hold of what God's done it's it's not just I'll just sit there and God does it and uh, sometimes we talk about like oh it's all from the overflow of what God's done in our lives I'm like yes yeah, sometimes it is sometimes I'm scratching around because of x y or z reasons or my own perception and actually I have to intentionally and proactively choose 
to do something that isn't coming out of the overflow of my heart in that day, but I know is the right and good thing. And, uh, and so I think, um, yeah, where we, where we can take the grace of God for granted when we just leave it all on him and we don't join in and participate. I think that might be sort of the route that's connected with what Mark was, was just saying. I think that the second thing I'd say is it's about when you look at the result as well, isn't it? So that there is obviously an enormous spectrum in terms of the sort of examples and scenarios you've just given us, Rach. Uh, but if we say, for example, you know, for those of us who you know, we, we do love Jesus and we're, we're trying our best, but we stuff up sometimes. And, you know, personally, that's been the case for me since my teenage years. But I have some fairly major uh, errors and falling into sin, some quite public in, in places. Um, but it wasn't that I didn't believe anymore. It wasn't that I walked away from God. I just made some really bad, foolish choices. Actually, at what point am I judging the the praise of God's glory that gets drawn at the end of the story? In my Bible, it says every knee bows and every tongue confesses. Um, And it's in that moment where the fullness of the praise is revealed. Um, In the moment where, in the moments, many that I fell and did stupid things. Yeah. Do you know what? There wasn't a lot of praise for God in that moment, but it's created opportunity for praise in the way he's in the way he's redeemed me and poured grace into my life and brought me back out of the miry pit that I jumped back into. I think we we need to where we are where we are trying to faithfully follow Jesus, but we we stuff up. I think we need to remember there is a bigger picture here. Um, mm. and God will be praised and will be praised for the way he's brought us out of the problems of our own making. I think there is another wholly separate category where people go, I don't believe this anymore. I'm gone. Mm. And they walk off. And I think that's probably another conversation. But for those of us who are listening, you're probably very likely to be trying your best to follow Jesus and sometimes doing well and sometimes not. And we need to know actually the end of the story is God is praised and people go, wow, look at what you've done in their life. I think that's a really powerful reminder of his grace is that that we're never just looking at a snapshot we're looking at a story and some of the best stories that we know of are you know even in scripture are you know the stories of David and stories of Abraham and you know Moses and they they all have these these journeys and yet we learn so much about who God is and their journey um we have the hindsight of their whole lives yes. but you know after David had committed adultery and his son died he was not feeling so you know Feeling like he's reflecting the praise of his glory, uh, yes. you know, not knowing that his writings would help a 17 year old me cry in my room, you know, thousands of years later. And there's there's a, a sense of feeling like our our entire story is our current experience rather than knowing that we are in the middle of our story and in the middle of the story of God's grace for us. And I, I think I find that a really powerful reminder that, you know, he's speaking from you know, Paul speaking from eternity's, you know, perspective of, of the grace of God in our lives Mm -hmm. and, and our current situation and choices can become so huge that we, um, that we wrestle with our moments rather than, than knowing that wherever we are, God's grace is powerful enough to, um, to take us in the next step. I think that's really helpful. Um, Thank you very much. And the, and the pullout statement there is just, we can have an utter confidence in the grace of God. Mm. And I think, we um, 
we sometimes can feel like we've blown our chances mm. or that, you know, God was proud of us, but we've disappointed him and he, mm. he's embarrassed of us now. Yes. He couldn't be further from the truth. He's, there's a, there's a fatherly pride in his kids. He's still utterly devoted to us. It's, it was never about our performance to begin with. And it will never be based on our performance in terms of his heart attitude towards us. And that, that is, I mean, that is the heart of what we want to communicate of God's grace through this whole series, isn't it? Is, um, the heart of God towards us is not affected in those moments by our mm. stupidness. Mm. Yeah, wonderful. wonderful. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that might be a great fitting place to end, unless anybody else is like, I want to say something else about what this means. Great. Well, what a journey and what a place to finish on. And I, and I hope for you listening at home, if you've made it all the way through 11 hours or so, I guess, of us talking, then first of all, well done. Yes, you're essentially family now. <laughs> yeah, you could turn up at our houses anytime. And uh, we'll look forward to listening to you for 11 hours. And uh, thank you for joining us. Please do get in touch, as we've said a number of times. We would love to have kind of a wrap-up episode hearing about um, uh, responses to things that we've said. Maybe you want to come back with a question, ask for clarity, share something that's helped, share something that hasn't helped, uh, that we might be able to try and fix our mess. Uh, we would love for you to get in touch, podcast.hopeharrogate.co.uk. Uh, for now, we're going to run up by praying to finish this session. And Rachel, the honour falls to you. I love it. God, I thank you that you radiate grace in every moment of our lives. Thank you for who you are. And thank you that you have invited us. You have called us. You've chosen us. You have drawn us towards you to the praise of your glory. God, I pray that every moment of every day you teach us how to live in the joy and peace and love that you have um, invited us into. That you would sweep away all doubt and fear that keeps us separate from you. I thank you that you have provided that there would be nothing between us and you. God, teach us how to live in the freedom and the joy of life in Christ. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you for your glorious grace. That we may see you and see each other and walk a life on earth and a life in eternity with you. Fill us again, Lord, with all that is of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks. So thank you for joining us, as I've already said, on this journey. Our, our aim has been and our, and our hope is and our prayer will be that this has increased your wonder at God's grace and your love for him. And we, as I've said, would love to hear from you. We will be back next time in a month or so with a kind of wrap up episode to chew over some of those responses and our own responses and reflections having completed the journey so do look out for that which should pop into your podcast app of choice uh, but for now thanks for being with us and goodbye bye, bye. bye.